You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with Shari Johnston, partner and board member at Winning by Design. How are you today, Shari? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. So today we will be talking about the recurring revenue bow tie model. I can't wait to hear about it. But before we get started, would you mind just introducing yourself, Shari, giving us a little bit of background as to who you are as an individual, but also the company you represent, Winning by Design? Sure. Happy to. Yeah, my name's Shari Johnston. I was a former B2B CMO, SaaS leader at, at several different startups in the last, prior to joining Winning by Design and have joined about three years ago to help spearhead our marketing practice and, and then more recently lead up our revenue academy. Yeah, I'm super passionate about helping clients achieve impact. And so that shift of taking my B2B SaaS experience up across different startups and being able to apply that and, and help different SaaS companies scale has been really rewarding and largely what I do today. My, my side gig is also helping run a nonprofit called, that I founded called Women in Revenue, which is focused on helping elevate women the tech industry across marketing sales as well. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm hearing about a lot of those uh, groups being created. You know, I was listening to a podcast actually not so long ago with another lady supporting women to become board members because there's not enough board members. And I think that's, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm going to get all the girls at Operatics to, to check that out. So today we will be talking about the recurring revenue board type model, right? So before we get into the topic, could you please explain to our audience the concept of the model? And, and how it comes to life with the SaaS industry. Sure. Yeah. Standard, you know, we think about the B2B model in, in what is typically a funnel approach, right? Where we have ge revenue generated into profits and, and really focused on that close. But in the bow tie model, what we really want to support is, is flipping that model on its side and having equal, if not more importance on the reoccurring revenue portion. Most of the time when you get to close in a, in a SaaS business, you're actually not profitable. This marketing and sales costs are so high that we celebrate the close uh, to so much of a degree, but is that really where the success is? The success in terms of profitability really comes in in that reoccurring revenue that you receive from your customer. So flipping it on its side and, and having a, a funnel equal of importance on con continuing to provide reoccurring impact to your customers so that they do remain a, a profitable part of your business is the real crux of the bow tie and, and making sure that that company is aligned around resources and allocation to what is most profitable and, and having an eye on that right side. Okay. So basically it's about avoiding burning catch through acquiring new customers technically. Well, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, making sure that there is equal weight and tracking in 
other revenue throughout your entire customer journey, right? A funnel approach, right? Just really focuses on acquiring new customers, not on continuing to provide them in, uh, impact, continuing to understand how our metrics evolve into customer retention, customer expansion, which is in SaaS businesses really where the revenue is. Yeah, 100%. In, in fact, we, we're hearing most or more and more of our clients speaking about net revenue retention. Am I getting more from my existing customers? And even if I churn a few, which I think, you know, churn is, is inevitable, right? Are the ones that are sticking with me investing more within my solution? So that makes perfect sense. Tell me, Seven, tell me, how does the, 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 the model impact the way companies sell and, and the methodology that they, they use to sell? Do you, do you have to fundamentally make some changes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the, you know, the, the initial funnel sort of providing guidance for organizations to think about how to unify and, and have a more data-driven revenue model as we thought about conversion rates throughout the funnel. But what the bow tie allows you to do is really think about aligning your organization, not only to the funnel metrics to close, but what about close and expansion? And, and as you alluded to the net retention rates that are so important to our business. So, so not only is it important to align your business around those growth metrics, not just the uh, top of funnel to close metrics, but also aligning your resources and team design around reoccurring impact. We often see you know, very underinvested customer success teams, customer expansion teams, less emphasis on renewal and expansion, which can often be the most profitable and easiest paths, easiest paths to growth than on the top of the funnel and acquiring new customers. Yes. The good old saying is probably easier to expand the relationship and carry on the relationship and keep a customer than acquiring a new one. It's actually quite expensive to acquire a new one. So is there a specific stage? Because we, we, we also tend to, with all the conversation we're having and, and most of our clients, we see that you've got Serie A, B, C, D, IP, a very large company. And obviously people are at different stage of their lifestyle of uh, their life cycle, a different stage of their life cycle they may need a different aspect on things. So I guess, you know, the, the, the model, from what I'm hearing, the model is probably more for a series B, C, D, or going APO type of organization versus someone who is really starting to figure out their, their go-to-market model and may not have customers. So is there, is there a level of maturity for which you would say that model becoming very pertinent? And, and, and it, because I'm trying to get, you know, for the people who are listening to us, is that, Okay, that's great. I, that makes sense. I want to control my cost. If I can be profitable, if I can make sure that, you know, the cost of selling and acquiring customer is, le is less than what the customer is paying me, that's fantastic. We're making money. Investor would love that. Value of the company goes up, goes up. Value of my shareholding goes up. Fantastic. But the question of the stage or the question of the maturities is what what I'm curious about. So yeah, yeah, great question. And yeah, I think it helps companies at different stages. And, and to your point, I would 100% agree where the huge benefit comes into after you, you've achieved product market fit, right? And you're ready to really scale and, and really acquire new customers and, and have that reoccurring impact. If you haven't had product market fit yet, we have had a lot of our early stage customers start out with the bow tie methodology and run their business on that from day one even before product market fits so that 
when they are diagnosing even early on how to scale their business, they have very distinct metrics that they can drive from. So for, for instance, you know, using, using our conversion rates throughout the funnel, you can really pinpoint where your, where your funnel is leaking, where, where you need to apply skills, where you need to apply resources so that you are getting not only to close, but also to that reoccurring impact. And so by having that base foundation early on, our customers have found it super helpful to communicate success and progress with their investor, as well as set themselves up for success to when they do have product market fit and are ready to really run with it and scale that funnel all the way through. But they have a base foundation of, of systems in place and processes to really help accelerate that engine. Okay. A, a question that I should have probably asked you earlier on is, how do you come up with the name? Well, what's the, what's the sort of process behind the, the bow tie? <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I guess visually it, it looks like a bow tie. So really, you know, infinity going around cycle, I guess, you know, you always go around. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the, the philosophy of, of the traditional funnel here, we're, we're flipping it on its side and, and also making equal weight to the retention expansion piece of it. And then I guess it has a little aspect of uh, a bow tie in there. So yeah, it's you know, something I think that, that is really helping reoccurring revenue businesses. And, and so really kind of think about that, that full end-to-end customer journey and in a way that's more helpful than, than a traditional file. So, so that's useful. So you just mentioned customer journey, which is where what's going next. So I've, I've got a fantastic understanding as to what it means for internal, what you can do, obviously the value you can get for your investors, the value you can bring for your CEOs, EFOs, for yourself as a sales person, because you probably a marketing person and everybody is more successful. The company is growing and all that. Can you be a bit more specific as to how you impact the customer journey and what's the objective of the model from a customer standpoint? Yeah, no, great question. And to, to this point, we've sort of talked about the, the bow tie as it is helpful for internal planning resources purposes for scaling. However, I guess equal or more near and dear to my heart is, is using the bow tie to look at it from an external perspective from a customer. And what we do is apply moments that matter across the bow tie. So what we look at is not only is there, you know, for internal prop purposes, we might call it conversion rate one to conversion rate two. So how does the lead become a, uh, a qualified uh, appointment? Not, not super sexy, not super interesting, but from a customer standpoint, the moments that matter may be that you have developed um, an amazing online demo that is enticing the customers and connecting to relevant details that are impactful to them. And that is a huge moment in the particular life cycle for them in the bow tie. And so what we, were, what we, we teach in our reoccurring revenue course is may I not only how to apply these metrics to the bow tie, but also how to look at it from the external customer's point of view and apply these moments that are really moving your customers uh, through that journey. That's, that's the acquisition part, right? And, and I think but the big part of the model is that recurring revenue and expansion and renewal. So would it translate in moments that you are expecting customer successes team to, to lead, you know, who is involved in, in actually bringing it to life? And, and I appreciate that it's probably a tough question because each clients of yours may be different, but who would you say is the best group to actually deploy that strategy? And, and, and could you give us more 
uh, example of those moments that you are creating. I love the concept. I think you, when you create those moments, you create an emotional attachment, you create something. I think it's important to think about them. I think it's important to scale them. And I think it's important to not leave it to a good account manager or a good customer success person or a good inside sales or a good sales guy to, to do their own. I think it's important to tell them, look, after three months, you should do that. You should check in. If we've got an issue, this is what we do. So in terms of ownership and, and maybe more example of those moments over the course, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you touched on something that is, is absolutely uh, something that customers, you know, struggle with. Of, you know, who owns this? If we're talking about moments that matter across the entire customer journey, there isn't a clear, oh, it's always owned by X, Y, and C that very much changes. This is a very overused example, but I, I think in the B2C world, we often think of a, a great a company that has done an amazing job of having moments that matter across the entire customer experience is Apple, right? Their, their, their products are incredibly easy to use. The moments that matter, you open the phone and you have hello in a bunch of different languages. You open the packaging and it's, it's amazing experience as well as the stores are just have a very different approach to helping you buy something with an iPad in the store. You don't have to go to a casual store. So they've created all these moments that matter, but it really create required their organization to be set up to someone, you know, Steve Jobs in this case, having a vision of those moments that matter over the entire product, customer packaging, in-person customer experience. And so applying that same lens to a B2B cycle and the, the customers that we've seen do it successfully either just have great collaboration between their C-suite, so CRO, CMO, and uh, chief customer officer, or, you know, there is someone like the CEO who's very involved and passionate about that entire customer journey who could help be that architect of how do we really understand the moments that matter to our customers and how do we improve that so that they don't just have an amazing customer experience at one part of the bow tie, but lag it in another end. And that, that could very much be the reason that they're not really more providing that, what we call reoccurring impact. That's good. And, and in terms of the consistency, because I'm probably the CEO that, you know, you just mentioned like literally 20 seconds ago, um, really passionate about customer journey and, you know, well, we, I believe we can't be perfect for everyone, you know, and sometimes we still bring customers, despite the fact we make an effort in finding the right one, we may find someone that's not the right fit or for some reason things don't work out. I'm a big believer that even if people don't enjoy something or whatever, you want them to almost feel nostalgic about the fact that it's not been working or you, you, at least you want them to think, God, you know what, if I had to make the decision again, I would, I would, I would do the same and I would go with those guys. Right. And then, but maybe something has not worked out or whatever. One of the issues that I face, and I'd love to go also into service business to see if we, if, if your bottom model also makes sense for services, for service businesses. But one of the issues that I think is, is we face in scaling organization is keeping it consistent. So where does the, the process leave? Would it be a CRM? Would it be, how do you get those reminders for the moments and how do you because I guess you kind of need to remind people, it's okay if you manage one or two customers, if you manage 20, 30, 40. So, so where does the, the process live? Or what would you suggest to your clients to, to make it live? 
Yeah, good, good question. I mean, most common, you know, realistically for the size of organizations that we're helping with, which are usually, you know, 200 people and above SaaS startups that are, are scaling quickly, the single point of failure is difficult, right? So it needs to move beyond the CEO and really into the C-suite. So that requires alignment across the executive, go-to-market executive team to really have that voice of the customer in, integrated into the way that they operate. And, you know, I think the the key to it is just really listening. You know, I, I guess I can more passionately talk and, and more specifically talk about my own company where I own our revenue academy. And so I listen all the time to trying to understand what is standing out to our customers that is their aha moments as part of the training. They, they get between emails, training engagements, certificates, et cetera, probably 150 different touch points that they integrate, that they uh, get from us, but only some of them are super impactful to them that really leave an impression. And so I think for me, it's in, and most of our customers, it's really keeping that under the ground and really understanding what stands out to a customer. So for our customers, as well as my own process, I, I recommend, you know, read, read a we read all our G2 reviews in great detail. What are people saying? What stands out? In our case, people love that we have frameworks that we teach against in our training. And so that really stands out to them because it provides that ability to retain the information that they have in their training. The other thing that stands out to them is that we, our, our trainers use like very progressive technology to help train them using whiteboards and digital engagement tools since we're all remote. So. Those are the things that I listen for and, and try to make sure that, to your point, that there's consistency um, in, those, in those moments that matter across all of the team. It is a little bit of a challenge to get everything consistent, but if we at least get those real moments that matter and make sure there's consistency in the, in the things that are having the greatest impact on our customers, that can go a long way. Okay. So that's, I guess, I was about to ask you the question, how would you translate the model into a service business. Is that something that you think, I mean, I guess you are doing it for yourself and technically you guys are a service business, right? Yeah. And it's a great question. And, you know, we, we don't have a reoccurring, you know, we, we're not a SaaS business. We, we are, are a services business that, that services SaaS companies. But, you know, I liked that you, that you proposed this question because I think, you know, we're, we're challenging ourselves with this, the same idea of, Hey, are we focusing too much on the clothes? Even though we don't have a subscription model, the idea of goes back to that reoccurring impact. How can we provide reoccurring impact? So we do have more longevity with our customers and that's the key to it, whether it's SaaS subscription or, or not. If we're providing ongoing impact for our customers, they're going to want to stay with us. So it's up to us to figure out, you know, how do we make sure that we can continue to, after that training or after that consulting engagement, continue to provide uh, value to our customers so that we have equally that right side of the bow tie in our services business. Yeah. One last question for you, Sherry. I think our businesses are fundamentally delivering a different level of service, but probably to the same group of people in the same industry. We're serving the, the same clients. Always we're looking at churns because like you, we, lo we, we lose the clients. We want to understand why. Okay. So we, 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 we classify churn. And, and I was wondering if there is a notion of classification of churn in, in the revenue body model. So what I'm saying by that, is that I think there is two categories of churn. 
from a high level perspective, which are what's in our control and what's outside of our control. Okay. So for you and I, we probably are working with the most, not volatile, but if I was to take an analogy, if we are going fishing, we probably like fishing tunas. You know, when some of the people will be fishing whales or bigger fish, we're fishing the ones that go very quick. They're quite small, they go very quick, and there are lots of them. And while it can be very rewarding to catch tuna, they evolve very quickly. And, and in fact, you know, I think last year, it was pretty much 30 of our clients. So I think 30 out of 140 or whatever that we started with at the beginning of the year, they just got acquired. They got acquired and, and we only managed to stay working with five of them. Okay. And why? Because sometimes you've got an acquisition and people say, okay, carry on as normal for six months, a year. We know that sort of people who just replace you. And then you've got the other, a bit more little. Well, it's all right. See you later, guys. We just wanted the technology and the clients. Now you move on. And in fact, you know, everything that is a spend of marketing or a uh, 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 sales improvement and things like that could be cut off pretty quickly. And it's funny because sometimes they come back two months, six months later, but it's still kind of a shot and then the reacquisition of a new company technically. So, but, but without going into too much detail, is there a consideration of the, I don't know if you can call it the quality of churn or the, the, the classification of churn in, in the model, or do you see SaaS company and services company going into that sort of trying to really understand and classify the churn to do something about it? Because I believe that it's a very long question that I'm asking you. I should have thought about it before, but I do believe that if you want to increase retention and do all the great stuff that you've got in, in, in the, that we discussed about the revenue bottom model, the essence is understanding why you're losing clients in the first place if you are losing some, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, there's definitely nuances and, and churn in our companies can be, you know, an average churn for companies servicing SMB is different than churn servicing enterprise, which I think is what you're getting at. And um, going back to it, it is still around haze or ways, even though, because I, I agree with you, you know, we have maybe the acquisition isn't quite as common for us as executive churn, right? The exec that our champions churn are called commonly SaaS companies. There's a very revolving door of I know. marketing leaders, CROs going to other places. And so, but there are things we can do about it, right? Like again, going back to reoccurring impact, if we're, if we're better multi-threaded within organizations to make, make sure that we're not single-threaded with our champion, that we are providing indeed reoccurring impact to them, regardless of the, of the executive, we still have the ability to impact that particular churn in some cases. Yeah, of course, there's, there's some that are just going to be inevitable, but what, you know, keeping our ear to the ground of understanding why, what could we do about it, even with these anomalies that happen in the business has helped improve churn in our customers and in our own business as well. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your insight, Sherry. I really enjoyed the conversation. Now, if, if anyone listening to us wants to pursue the conversation with you or, you know, engage with Winning by Design, what's the best way to get all of you? Yeah, sure. You know, I'm, I'm available on LinkedIn. Feel free to follow me or, or Winning by Design. There's great content that our team posts on helping with adopt the bow tie model and reoccurring revenue in general. Or you can reach out to me directly. It's S-H-A-R-I at winningbydesign.com. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. 
To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io.